Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I think most most leaders, they tend to be too hard on themselves. They have extremely high standards. That's where they are today. And uh, they need to have others who fulfill those standards. And when they fail, they take it personally. But by talking to others, you find out that it's it's okay if you're if you're an entrepreneur and you your success rate is sixty uh, percent. Maybe that means that you can build the most successful company in the world. But that also means that you have to fail forty percent of the time. And hearing that from other people who have experienced the same is um, is really good. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Brandoza. Welcome. How are you doing today? How is it going? Thank you for taking the time to join me today. This is episode number 110, and my special guest today is Marcus Radder. He is the co-founder and CEO of Hostaway, which is the fastest growing vacation rental technology in the world. In our conversation, you will learn how Marcus overcame the challenges of hiring and firing employees. He shares the key factors to successfully managing and leading a team that is distributed across the world and the challenges managing different cultural and ethnic backgrounds. He also shares two resources that helped him achieve his goals to grow as a leader. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technology systems that help companies align and understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. By the way, thank you for those who have left a rating, comment on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate you. This latest one from Reed Bracken, and they write, as a self-proclaimed podcast junkie, I find Edwin's take on business from a Canadian perspective to be a great weekly addition to my weekly rundown. Reed, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and your super kind words. When you subscribe, rate, and leave a review, I will read it out on the next episode. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Marcus. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, no, thank you for taking the time to join me today. I'm really excited to uh, to have you. Uh, for those who are listening, this is actually a couple months coming for Marcus and I. We had connected a couple of months back, but uh, just due to scheduling, we finally got you on here, Marcus. So why don't we actually just start off by introducing yourself, Marcus. Tell us who you are and what you like to do when you're not growing and leading businesses. All right. I'm what uh, a lot of my friends call an eccentric person. I, I like doing strange, uh, strange things. And I've, uh, for example, I lived in five countries and I speak six languages Currently, I live in Toronto, in Canada, and uh, and run a company that has offices in several continents, three to be exact. Um, what I like doing in my spare time is uh, playing guitar. I love uh, death metal. 
And uh, my favorite hobby is uh, beer travel. So visiting different breweries around the world. Well, I mean, Marcus, that's amazing. I really love your introduction, and I like the way you're leading your company and the things that you like to do. I mean, first off, I mean, you, you, you've you lived so many places. You have people, and we'll probably get into it later, um, in three different continents. You drink beer, and you travel, and you play guitar. I mean, you're like the uh, the best traveling person around, I think. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to be a business traveler, so I know I know a lot about uh, how to how to travel well and uh, <laughs> how to how to connect to people in different countries and different cultures and um, and not feel like a tourist wherever I go. And that's uh, that's a skill that's very useful in business. Yes, hundred percent. I mean, feeling like a local. I know. I when I travel a lot, I always I've. I think it's a compliment and maybe maybe I'd love to get your thoughts is when people always tell me, oh, Edwin, I thought you're from around here. Um, that's typically a compliment to me. I'm like, oh, I, f- I fit right in right away. Well, that's good to hear. So why don't we just jump in, Marcus, if you could tell us a bit about your company, Hostaway. Let us know your current role, um, responsibilities, and maybe if, if possible, what you're trying to accomplish over the next uh, next couple of months. All right, so uh, Hostaway is a vacation rental software that um, it was an idea I had when I moved to Canada uh, four years ago, but it we, we only founded the company about three years ago. And um, and we got off like like all startups uh, to a rocky start, but actually when, after speaking to peers, I found out that we didn't really have a rocky start. We pretty much did the right things. It was just a lot harder than we thought it would be. But uh, where we are today is uh, 35 employees. We got uh, offices in Barcelona, in Toronto, in Helsinki, and in Melbourne. Um, and we also work with uh, with developers in, in Russia and Ukraine. And uh, because we've grown from 7 to 35 people in just 18 months, um, my main focus has been and will be uh, to perform a transformation, I need to stop being an entrepreneur and become a CEO. Uh, being an entrepreneur is great. It's super exciting. It's, uh, it's very empowering. But it doesn't work when you have 35 people who, who have their own things to do. They have their own tasks and their own, uh, own missions to, to accomplish. And, um, and nobody is born to be a CEO and for for a lot of people, it's a, even a place they don't want to be. Uh, but for me, it's a, it's a dream come true. And now I just have to have to learn what I what I need to learn to do a good job at it. Well, I mean, congratulations! It sounds like uh, things are. I mean, I'm as you mentioned, it was difficult to start, and no one knows the journey. But it sounds like things are moving along. You're learning as well. Talk to me about that transition um, that you're currently doing right now from, as you mentioned, being that entrepreneur, being that startup, that founder, and going, being more a CEO, uh, and tell me what are the biggest differences? Because some of the listeners out there may be working either within a startup or they're an entrepreneur. And I, I know there are a lot of, you know, emerging business leaders within organizations, and they may not even know the difference. Yeah, so an entrepreneur, if, even if you're one person, or whether you're working with a team of 
well, usually below 20. I would say that's that's maybe a, a cutoff point there. Uh, an entrepreneur has to know and be responsible for everything. And that that includes the things you don't know about. When you set up a, when, when you have a great idea and you want to make it come to life, nobody ever tells you that, hey, you also need to be a lawyer. You need to be a, a doctor. You need to be a psychologist. You need to be, uh, be a financial planner. Uh, you need to be an accountant. Nobody tells you those things and nobody's really good at them. But you have to do whatever it is that needs to be done. You can't set up a business and just uh, when, when a customer comes and wants to buy your product, you tell them, no, I'm not going to sell it to you. No, you have to learn sales. You have to learn marketing. You have to learn uh, product management. Um, you have to do all of that. Now, when you're an entrepreneur, you're also responsible for the resources. A lot of people that start companies, the only resource they have is time. And they also have a limited amount of time. For example, they might have their life savings, which will last them two years without a salary. That means they have only two years of time to make the best out of it. And, and that means that uh, time is, because, because the time is so crucial, uh, they have to make very quick decisions. They might hire someone instantly, fire them the day later, they might go in and tell someone what to do without having any time to give any explanation. And that's, that's okay for an entrepreneur because if, if you don't tell someone what to do right now and get it done, then your company's not going to succeed. But, uh, but as a CEO, you, you need to focus on getting other people to do that. And you also need to, while you're responsible for the resources, the resources are, are direct results of other people's work. So, for example, you've got sales who are bringing in money to the company and you can't just get more money by, by uh, pulling out your wallet because your wallet isn't thick enough. You have to actually trust these people to bring in the sales. And, and that means that instead of managing time and, uh, and money and getting things done, you need to start managing people. I'd say that uh, many, many companies fail when they reach 20 people and then they have to scale down because they the founders don't go through that transition. And maybe I was a bit late, but I'm, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> so, Marcus, tell me what has been the most difficult part of that uh, that transition or that mindset that you had to, you know, maybe not you had to, or maybe you're still going through from from founder to, to CEO. Um, in the past, uh, the, the most difficult part is, uh, absolutely firing, uh, people. It's, uh, when, when you take a company from, from an idea to getting an actual product, getting revenues, uh, in our case, we, we have VC funding as well. Um, things change and not, not all people can, uh, can change. Also, uh, there's so many things uh, that I didn't know I, I had, to, had to know uh, that I found out the hard way. Um, for example, how to recruit people. I have been recruiting for other, other companies and other positions before. But this was the first time when it's my responsibility to make sure it's also done right. And as a result, I recruited a lot of uh, the wrong people. Even though we have a, have had a, a fairly high success rate, letting key people go is something that has been has been very hard for me uh, because as an entrepreneur, you give the, the company is your baby, and when, when you when you choose a nanny, you don't choose anyone. You just don't knock on your neighbor's door and ask, "Sorry, can you hold my baby?" No, there needs mm -hmm. to be a level of trust. And when you hire your first employees, 
that trust is so important and it's it's heartbreaking when when you see that that doesn't that relationship doesn't work out and letting people go but just like anything like playing guitar if you just do it enough it becomes uh, comes nature um you get used to it so um that's uh, that's in the past what's been one of the the most difficult parts letting key positions go people who you thought would help the company grow and then you then you find out that it's not going to work out yeah no 100% and i know speaking to many business leaders whether they're entrepreneurs or not doing those 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 key firings whether it's the first person you had to let go or even a friend and i'm i know within the startup ecosystem sometimes those those founding employees are become friends right because they believe in you and your product from the let go and i, I think that's where a lot of the emotional uh, connection is right yeah yeah when we uh that's that's very true and uh you you have to be friends if you're working in a in a small company where you're basically doing everything to survive you need to be surrounded by by other people who are exactly the same and the only way you can do that is to become friends with them um and that that's what makes it hard uh the one one advice i could give that i was given and i wasn't able to follow it uh is do it as fast as possible because it's not going to be less painful later on um our first uh first key position firing took us four months to execute which to me today sounds sounds crazy um but but when when we finally did it we we looked around and and we felt such an immense relief of pressure the business didn't stop existing just because we fired a key position but we were much happier we were able to focus on work again and and a lot of frustration was just gone immediately if we could have just done that maybe in 2 months rather than 4 months that uh, that would have brought the company a lot forward faster so you you mentioned um you know 4 months now seems ridiculous right marcus so is it i i've heard this saying before and tell me tell me how it resonates with you it's like they say hire fast fire faster yes yes that's uh, that's definitely true one of the the main challenges we've had um, had last year was was hiring people we we got some extra funding and we started looking at our our spreadsheets and uh, the revenues were higher than expected and we we noticed, hey, if we if we don't hire a bunch of people right now, we're not going to be able to show good KPIs. We're going to be showing that we are the kind of people who just take in a bunch of money and let it sit on a bank account. And we we got into a hiring spree, and and um, that that definitely helped us get into that mode where we can hire fast and and fire fast as well. Talk to me, Marcus, about. Um you mentioned your teams are situated across the world. You manage and lead a distributed team. I'd love it if you could share some tips um, from your experience leading leading your team and and maybe some of the challenges that that you are or maybe have gone through as you built. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I think these challenges exist in in all companies, whether you're in one office, whether you're just two people who work in from home or whether you have multiple offices in many locations plus remote uh, workers like uh, like we do um, but uh, 
well, I'll jump straight to the bottom line. You need a strong company culture. And this is also something that I was told uh, even by, by our employees. Hey, Marcus, why don't you build a company culture? And I didn't even know what that meant at the time when I was told. And so I asked around and it turns out, yeah, our company needs a, a company culture. Now, if you don't have a culture, basically you have individuals who are, who are hopefully doing the right things, but you will start seeing clicks. For example, um, if I'm in one office, another office might start building their own way of doing things without me knowing it. And that's, that's completely fine um, until the day when we have built a very strong culture in one office and another office can't handle the same problem in the same way. That leads to a lot of confusion. So um, building a, a company culture has actually helped. It's, it's of course, a work in, in progress and we're very early in the stage. Um, but one of the things that we saw was that, uh, that people, um, when they're physically together in different locations, they, they talk about things and suddenly very small problems become very big for them. But if that's not communicated or if you don't actually visit the place, then you're not going to know that this is, you're going to think it's a small problem, but it's a big one for them. And, and now by creating just uh, more, more stable policies and, and also building that cultures, telling our employees, even at the recruitment, who we are, what we stand for, what our values are, um, that has helped tremendously in, in making sure that we can, we can trust our people all around the world to try their best in the way that, uh, that their team members on the other side of the planet are doing. So Marcus, talk to me about that certain situation that you mentioned where maybe outside looking in, it was a small issue. Um, but within that one location, it was a huge, maybe even, even a fire in their eyes. Right. So what, have you or your executive team implemented in terms of uh, relieving this? I know you mentioned policies. So what does that look like when we are sitting here in Barcelona and like, we feel like, you know, we need help. So, so what are the steps that you're taking now within the organization to, to, to let everyone know? I mean, it's uh, it's little things. If you, if you work in an office, it needs to be nice, but, uh, but nice doesn't necessarily mean a good location and, or, or that it, uh, it looks nice. It can be things like, do you have access to meeting rooms? Or if you need a phone call with a client, do you have a headset that cancels the noise? It's those little things that are impossible uh, for someone to see, because all you can hear is, uh, that, uh, Hey, I need an expensive headset. And you're thinking, mm -hmm. wow, we can't afford that. But that's, that's a real, real example. And, uh, so what I did before we had any policies in place was, uh, I just said, look, this looks bad. I'm going for two and a half months now to Barcelona to find out what's going on. Everyone is complaining. Business is doing well, but people are not happy. And I found out that it was actually on, in the big, picture everyone was happy it was just tiny details that they felt they didn't have control over and um and one of the mistakes we we did was uh, at that time we didn't have any founders in in the barcelona office which um which we have now now corrected so do you 
as one of the, one of the founders actually spend time at each office? Do you have a schedule now to ensure that everyone feels like they have that attention uh, from the key people in the in the company? Definitely, we uh, we travel to to the different locations. The the executive team. And um, and I also uh, visit not on a regular basis. It uh, it depends really on on where it goes. We're, our executive team is in three different locations, so we meet quarterly, and we we always choose a different office location in order to make sure that we all see what what the world looks like from from uh, the other people's point of view, and that uh, that helps a lot. And lastly, on the cultures, because you mentioned different continents, do you find any challenges or any any nuances depending on, you know, different from the country or the ethnical cultures, the differences in that? Or is it all based around the company? Um, that's a very good question. Um, and I, I think uh, having people from different backgrounds, uh, different cultures um, is is critical to the success of any business um, and also having people with different attitudes or different ways of thinking um, otherwise you you risk ending up in a in a space where everyone just says yes and then then everything goes wrong um, now i wouldn't uh, i'm not going to go into details about different cultures but um, but what we what we did notice early on was that a lot of problems where we blamed ourselves, for example, when it came to communication, um, were actually because of different ethnic backgrounds. So when uh, when someone from Finland, where I am, if someone says yes, that means one hundred percent yes, absolutely one hundred percent. There is no ambiguity at all. Now uh, there's many countries in the world where they have a culture where you're supposed to say yes to everything. So if you work with people who are used to that, they're going to say yes. When you ask, can you do it? They're going to say yes, because they come from a culture where they are, they are taught that you have to say yes, whether you can do it or not. And I think that was something that we, we learned quite early on. And we have, uh, we have since, we have a fairly good view of the people in our in our company. And we, we managed to actually take that local culture and turn it into our company culture. So one of our, our key principles is, uh, is transparency. It's completely fine. We tell employees, if, if you can't do it, don't say yes. Say, I don't know if I can do it. And that, that already removes a lot of, of those uh, cultural issues that may, may otherwise arise. Hey there, how are you enjoying the conversation I'm having with Marcus? Got a question for you. Do you get inbox anxiety? You know, you know that feeling when you open your email box and see countless number of unread email messages, which in turn, you quickly close that app. I used to have that till I developed a system that allowed me to achieve inbox zero. I'm excited to share that I wrote a short ebook to share the strategies and tools that I use to get to inbox zero every day. And not only that, I give you some challenges that will provide you some accountability to achieve inbox zero very soon. And PS, did I mention it's free? 
Yes, I wrote this for you. And there is no email required. Simply go to my Facebook group at thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for The Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Now let's get back to it. Marcus, as you talk about growing into more of a that chief executive role, I'm wondering what are you doing to ensure that you continue to grow and develop as a business leader? Um, so one thing that I'm very fortunate to have um, is a coach. I've, uh, I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs, and it's, it's very hard to find a good mentor or advisory board or coach. Those are all different things. I, I have a coach who, who's a former CEO and is coaching other CEOs as well. And he has really helped me understand um, what I, which questions I need to ask. He can't provide any answers, but, uh, but he asked me a lot of questions that I didn't think about. And if any, any future CEO or current CEO out there is listening, um, put, put in some effort and see if you can find someone. Try out 10 different people. Talk to them. See if they, they understand your challenges and if they, they can help you. Um, that... Um, <clears throat> That is the number one thing I think this year that has has really helped us uh, forward. Um, what I'm working on now is I'm trying to understand more about what's going on. So when in the past I saw what was going on and I found a solution, then I just presented it. But now I'm really focusing on finding out what's going on, what caused a certain situation, and what uh, what can we do about it. And the downside of that is that things get more complicated. And suddenly I find myself in a situation where I actually don't have all the solutions. But I think that's a great place to be because that's why, why I hired all these people. They are the ones who come up with solutions. All they want is the questions. So if I'm able to even find the questions, I'm sure they can provide the solutions. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and it's, I think it comes back to that whole transition of trusting and empowering everyone that, that you brought on board. One question I, that came to mind, Marcus, was as you you know were giving advice in terms of those people who are leading companies to find a good coach or to find these advisory boards, what were the steps that you took to actually you know find this person that, that you're super grateful to be you know in your corner right now? There's uh, <clears throat> one thing that really helped us is we, we joined an accelerator. We were perhaps a bit late at doing it. Uh, we, most of the companies there had less than 10 employees and we were already 15 or 20. But, uh, but they had uh, actually coaches for different team leads. They have someone for products, someone for marketing, someone for sales, uh, someone for HR and someone uh, for engineering. And um, and then they had a CEO coach, so that's how I met uh, met him. It was a, a free, well, it was included in an accelerator program. But oh, very if cool. I if I were to find one now, I have no idea where to start. Unfortunately, no, definitely. I mean, and I've talked to many business leaders, executives, and finding, you know, you, you did mention you're you're pretty lucky and grateful for for finding that person within your 
within your corner, right? So it's something to always actively be looking for and sometimes just, just within your network as well. As, as you've been growing as that business leader, Marcus, I'm wondering now that your company is growing and you're looking to bring up people and identify leaders, what, um, what one characteristic do you believe uh, every, every leader should possess at this point? Um, <clears throat> the only thing I can think of, and, um, and this comes, uh, comes back to the transition from being an entrepreneur and, uh, and being a, a leader, uh, is uh, taking the time to listen. As an entrepreneur, you, you don't really have the time to listen to everything. You need to pick up bits and pieces here and there. The most important thing you can do is get stuff done. And that can often be, be verbally. You tell someone to do something and they do it. But, uh, but as a leader, you need to listen. Because there's, if you keep coming up with the solutions and telling people what to do, then you will never be a leader. Uh, that means that if you're not at work one day, nothing will, will function anymore. Because, um, because you didn't take the time to listen. Marcus, I'm, I'm always fascinated in what people, successful business leaders, entrepreneurs are doing to always advance themselves. So I'm wondering if do you have any new system or hack that, that you recently learned that's really helping you grow yeah, right now? Yeah, actually, um, one of them we, we touched upon earlier, getting, getting a coach. Um, I can, I haven't experienced it myself, but I heard good things from mentorships, uh, as well. Uh, mentorship is a bit, uh, different because you go into the actual daily activities and, and big, uh, decisions you have to make. A coach is more focused on who you are and what you want and, and which questions you need to ask yourself in order to achieve achieve that another <clears throat> another hack that uh, that is actually related to the the same uh, accelerator i mentioned earlier was one of the most incredible experiences i've had as an entrepreneur it was called founders anonymous and uh, it was basically founders of different startups who got into a room for one hour you could say anything you wanted you could say things that you could never tell your family. You couldn't tell that to your employees. You couldn't tell it to your co-founders. And you couldn't tell it to your investors. But you could tell it to these people. And the stories I've heard there when I thought that I have been making crazy things or, or when things are just going wrong or that I have been incredibly lucky, hearing that every other founder has exactly the same experiences was incredibly liberating. It, uh, it gave me so much confidence to know that whatever insecurities I had, everyone else had them as well. And whatever mistake I made, that's just normal. That's what it's supposed to be. If you can't find uh, Founders Anonymous, maybe going to some very well-selected events with entrepreneurs and trying to network with them can help as well. That's great. So... Talk to me just just real quickly on that Founders Anonymous. I mean, and you mentioned finding this, I guess it's a safe haven, very secure. Um, before you found this, Marcus, you were. it sounds like you were maybe sitting with a lot of stress, anxiety, things that you thought only you in the world must be going through, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh, 
one of the the hardest part of being uh, being a leader is that you well i think most most leaders they tend to be too hard on themselves they have extremely high standards that's where where they are where they are today and uh, they need to have others who fulfill those standards and when they fail they take it personally but um but by talking to others, you find out that it's it's okay if you're if you're an entrepreneur and you your success rate is sixty uh, percent. Maybe that means that you can build the most successful company in the world. But that also means that you have to fail forty percent of the time. And hearing that from other people who have experienced the same is um, is really good. Fun question, Marcus. If I were to ask any of your team members. It could be past or present. Uh, I, I know you have a, a very colorful background, colleagues, peers, stakeholders. Like, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? Um, I thought about this this a lot. I I actually want to conduct a survey one day and find out what the answer is. I have to give you something that uh, that I think is a great um, great quality. But if you were to ask my team or colleagues, they would probably say that it's my worst quality. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, uh, it's impatience. When when a decision is made, I need it implemented now. You know, if you can call someone and do something, pick up the phone now. That's that's what I do. And and a lot of our it's funny because a lot of our new employees that uh, that uh, work with me they think I'm stressed or they think uh, I have some mental issues. No, it's that's just what what I've always been. Even as a kid, I was always impatient. If we decided to go go get an ice cream, we had to go now. No, let's not let's not go to the bathroom. Let's not uh, pick up water. Let's not put on the shoes. Let's get the ice cream first. And uh, that is something that I think has, uh, has helped build this uh, company. It has also helped us make those quick, difficult decisions and basically getting things done. But it's, once again, probably something that most of my, my team would, uh, would hold against me and say that it's, uh, it's a bad quality. Yeah, that, that that's awesome. I love it. And, and I think that comes from being the founder and entrepreneur as well, right? Because you're able... You had the capacity to, if you had an idea, just work on it right away. That's uh, that's true. That's something that uh, that is. It's so so easy for uh, someone who joins a company that has less than ten people to to say that, hey, why can't why can't our new staff do what we used to do? Just see the problem and fix it, and and go out there and do it. Well, there are consequences. As an employee, um, you you have basically. Everything you do every moment of your workday uh, can have three outcomes. Either it's uh, good for your job or good for your career, or it's bad for your job, bad for your career, or you might end up fired. (laughs) Now, if you're a founder of a company, none of those three options are on the table. If you have to do something, nobody cares if you end up getting a promotion or if you end up fired. That's completely irrelevant. We're on a different level. The only thing that matters is, will the company become successful or not? So to expect employees that, that are faced with these three options every day to, to do things in the same way, an entrepreneur that don't even have these choices, that's, that's just unrealistic. 100%. And, and that comes back to your mindset and that transition as well from yourself, from as you grow this team. And, 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 and I, love, I love to hear that 
that you're also realizing as well, right, Marcus? Yeah, well, I can only thank uh, thank my coach for that. I, I recently read a there's a there's a movement on GitHub against the Chinese work culture, the nine nine six. Have you heard about that? Yeah, so uh, I mean, if you want to explain to the listeners what nine nine six is, it'd be great. yeah. As far as I understood, a lot of the tech startups uh, and successful companies in China they they hire people, and I'm sure they pay well, and uh, and you have great career opportunities. But you have to work from nine in the morning till nine in the evening, six days a week. And I don't remember the company. I read a quote from a CEO who said that we're successful today because I used to have my alarm clock going off every two hours in the night so that I could answer the customer support tickets. And I was just thinking, yeah, that's that's what you have to do. But there's a reason why why people choose to take a job. It has to be enjoyable. I mean you're you're getting rich, I hope, or you're or you're going bankrupt. That's what many entrepreneurs end up doing. They end up going bankrupt. And that's your choice. And it's your choice to have an alarm clock every two hours. But it's not something that employees want. And you're not going to be able to retain and, and even attract the talent that will make you successful if you have that attitude. No, the, no, 100%. And I mean, for one thing, I think as they um, talk about 996, it might be an unspoken um, language uh, in startup culture, though. We may not say 996. But sometimes that expectation is there as well for high pressure startups, right? And and maybe maybe in some some within the valley, um, I know when some of the big giants now were starting up, people were working around the clock, right? So um, it's it, it's hard to say, but I I know as business leaders, even myself, I I block out my family time and I don't work on weekends, and you know I have a tech startup as well, but. Uh, it's uh, it's just the way we choose to live our lives and lead our businesses, right? Yeah, definitely. And what uh, I mean, you have to do what you have to do. And uh, what we're doing right now is trying to find that balance. We we don't want anyone burning out. Uh, we don't want anyone quitting because the stress is too high. Um, it's um, hiring and uh, for any position is uh, is a big investment for us. It's an investment in time. We want people to grow with our company and they have to enjoy their lives. But at the same time, we, we do have financial goals to meet. So what we what we just started this week is we, we give full transparency to every one of our employees, even even some contractors that we work with uh, on, on what our finances are. What are we expecting revenues to be? What How much are we spending and how are things going? Because we found out uh, that in the in the earlier days of our company, there were people who, well, they didn't have access to that information. We didn't know how to handle it. I mean, if if your company is going bankrupt and the only ones who can stop it are your employees, you're not going to tell them that uh, you may not be able to pay their salary salary next month. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we, we found out that we could have done a lot better. There were people who were not feeling any stress at all. And they were surprised when they found out about how hard it was. They said, oh, I could have done so much better. <laughs> and uh, so that's, I'm glad we reached a stage where we can be transparent, at least to our employees, and let them know um, when, when it's time, time to put in their, their best and, and when they should focus on doing a good job. That's great. Uh, Marcus, so what else is going on? Do you have any other special projects, initiatives, milestones, or anything fun 
that you are looking looking towards or, or super excited about? Well, actually, uh, a lot of the things that we touched here right now is, uh, is the most exciting part of my my life at the moment. Growing as a as a leader is uh, overall um, one of the most exciting projects that I've done in this company. And I have um, I started at the end of last year. I started very systematically emptying my calendar. I was I was completely fully booked in a calendar for for three years in a row, and just at the end of December, I was finally able to choose my own meetings. I have now very critical meetings where I don't need to attend. I still do, but it's it's my choice, and I I have full trust in that. And being able to step out without losing touch with the business um, is very important. And I will um, I will use this time. I know that probably in twelve months my calendar will be fully booked again. But I will use this time to to take a, a look at the company from a bit of an outsider perspective and see what I can do to to con- to give the best tools to everyone. And of course, at the same time, I'm going to take the company through massive growth and probably a lot of changes, and uh, do another round of fundraising and raise a kid at the same time well that's that's amazing i'm super excited for you and definitely keep us up to date on everything that is happening within your world but before we end marcus do you have any final thoughts observations ideally any actionable items that you could share to the growing business leader who is listening today yes there's only one thing i can say um go out and get some peers uh, pay a coach if you can find one. Um, talk even to your friends uh, or or your family, um, because whatever unique challenges you think you have, there's people out there. They may not be entrepreneurs, but they may have been uh, been in managerial positions before um, that that can help you. And um, and those. There's things you may not want to talk about with your your board. You may not want to talk to your investors, your colleagues, your co-founders, or your employees about. But uh, but talk to someone about it. It's uh, it's really good to have a network of people who you feel that you can talk to, and preferably those people should know as little as possible about your business. Well, that's an important point. I appreciate that. To close, Marcus, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, Host Away, or anything else that you'd want to share with us today? Um, yeah, absolutely. If uh, if you're a vacation rental property manager and you're looking for a one-and-all solution, uh, hostaway.com is the way to go. Um, I'll also be uh, giving a pitch at the Collision Conference here in Toronto in May on the 22nd of may and you can find um find me on the team page um uh, on our website there's uh probably linkedin and, and facebook and twitter included as well awesome well good luck on the pitch uh, marcus thank you for taking the time to join us on the business leadership podcast yes thank you very much for having me and uh, have a wonderful day That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was number 110 with Marcus Radar. If you want to learn more about Marcus, host away 
or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 110. Join me in my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.